Hey everyone, this is Regina, Doc Liz from Game On Girl, and I am bringing you a very special episode of our show that has been recorded live at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, Washington. I've been here at a booth with the Meaner Geek, Adrian Hunter, who is a big supporter of the show and I've known in, through the podcasting community for several years now. We finally got to meet in person. It's been fantastic. So the show is several different interviews with a lot of different people and some fantastic content. So I hope you all enjoy this very much, and thanks for tuning in. So hey everybody, it's Regina, Game On Girl, and I'm here at Emerald City Comic Con with Desi Desire. Hello. Hello, thank you for chatting with us today. So uh, give us some uh, background. Uh, how'd you get started in cosplay? Um, it was cosplay. I was raised without ever getting to do any Halloween. I had no costume, like, in my life at all. No ways of doing costuming. And I was a kind of a closet geek and homeschooled mm-hmm. and would just do all that. So I was making costumes of characters that I liked before I knew what the word cosplay, cosplay was. was. Oh, cool. And um, then years later, um, both my brother and my aunt started going to cons, and I discovered that there was a, there was a like thing a for it, a community for it. In this. Yeah. And then I started joining in on that. And I've done I've done group cosplays with with both my aunt and my brother, which has been really fun. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. And it's just gone from there. So, what's your favorite cosplay that you've done? That's probably an impossible question. It's, but I'm gonna it's ask a it hard. Anyway. It's a hard question. There's favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Like I have multiple versions of Spock and of Riddler. I have at least four versions of both. Nice. I just because those are characters I really connect with. Right. Um, but they're both fairly simple costumes as well. So I'm a lot more connected with. Right. With other with other costumes I've done that I've been I'm more proud of. Right. Okay. Bit so elaborate. what's the costume you're the proudest of? Um. I have to say I'm I'm happiest with my live wire because it's it's just really accurate, and I also really like my uh, Captain Amelia from Treasure Planet because she's got the big coat and the cat ears and everything, and she's super fun nice. to do. Yeah, I, I think the thing I appreciate the most about cosplayers is the detail that goes into the work that cosplayers do. Yeah, and and it's when you do the, it well, at least. the great thing is is I know so many other extremely talented costumers that I have. We kind of like collaborate, and I think that that's half the fun is being able to be like, "You're better at this than I am. Right. Let's like exchange our talents and exactly. teach each other and do all that as well." Well, that's a true community. When yeah. you're both interested, and you have a different skill set than they have, and you can learn from each other. That's that's really a true community coming forward. It must be fun though to do the unique and be like, "Hey." I'm the only person doing Yeah, this. exactly. Like, so many times... That was one thing with Captain Amelia. Is so many people were like, I have never seen a Captain Amelia cosplay right. before. And you're like, you're like, yeah, I yeah. did it. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Awesome. Because there are certain ones where, like, there's so many, which has its own thing that's fun. Because I love seeing, like, when there's, like, a ton of Harley Quinns, they all do a group photo where it's just right, all yes. same character. Those can be really fun, and too. And that's the thing I love as, as a not, not someone who does the costuming, but a, who appreciates it. I love looking at a group of people in the same costume and looking at how they, like, the slight interpretation Exactly. Of the costume, of the character, and how that kind of all works out. Yeah, and I feel like that's why I do a lot of male characters, because it gives me a bit more creative freedom. Because if I'm doing a female version of a male character, it can, I can be like, okay, I could do it with 
this, I don't like. I don't have, feel I'm as stuck in making it entirely accurate right. to how they normally are. Right. Be like, okay, I'll change it up and do it like this. You don't have to do a perfect replica. Yeah, of exactly. The character because you're already putting your interpretive spin on. Yeah, on and I the find character. that that's a thing I see a lot when there's when there's Rule 63 stuff. Is a lot of people like they're like, I'm gonna make a dress version of right. of, a, of a male costume right. or things like that, and right. I love seeing that. I think that's where a lot of the creative energy goes into it is you kind of style it as your own yeah, that's thing. Cool. And I feel like that's another thing with um, characters that aren't human characters, like people who are being Pokemon or people who are being animal characters. Like they have like, like there's a Togepi right over there and like you can kind of just make it a dress, you can make it however you want or you mash two things together. Uh, like someone I saw yesterday was a mix between a Sailor Scout and um Lumpy Space Princess, and it looked awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting, and it's, it's hard for me, because I'm, I don't know, I'm just starting to get into comics myself, like I'm yeah. starting to read comics, so I don't always know a lot of the references, so to me, sometimes they just look like, like, so, such cool costumes that people have just created, so it's yeah. nice when you actually know, I'm sure, a little bit more That is one it. thing, is I've done, I've done some costumes that no one gets, but they also don't look elaborate enough for someone to care but sometimes there's ones that you're like I have no idea what that's from right. but it looks amazing right. and I want to just look at it yeah exactly <laughs> I just want to check it out and see what this is that I swear that's what my first con was like like everywhere I would stop I'd be like oh my god that looks amazing who is that yeah you know and I don't know what and then I would go and look and I think that really feeds the industry as well is there's mm-hmm. so many people that you get introduced to you're like that costume looks awesome who is that character and what right. is it from and then you'll watch the show or you'll read the right, comic exactly. after because you really like right. like how that person and obviously yeah, that person loved it enough to then right, do that to do costume. That, yeah, to make that costume. That's really cool. So what would you what what advice would you give to somebody who wanted to get started in cosplay and was kind of maybe a little nervous about entering the community? I I like to think that it's a very like while some people can be a bit competitive and stuff, it's a very open community and and when people see something they recognize or something that they're from the same thing, they will totally take a, a connection with you. And I feel a big thing for, for me and in general is is money doesn't have to be the focus. The focus. Yeah. You don't have to spend a lot of money on a costume. If you don't make a lot of money and if you, you want you can like just focus like a year's worth on one costume and have an amazing costume and you just it takes commitment but you don't have to be like, Oh, I'll never be able to do right. these costumes this, because, because it's so- cost prohibitive yeah because I've done a lot of costumes that I was like I'll never be able to do that because it'll cost me so much money and then eventually you just you either team up with other people who are really talented and they know how to save money on certain ways of doing things things, shortcuts and things and and then also yeah so if you have things that you can trade or there's so many different ways to be able to to make it happen I want to point out I mean of course nobody can see because we're recording audio but you're wearing basic black with your um, green lantern over it yeah and that's a great way of like making your base sort of work for different characters, exactly. right? Exactly, because pretty much it's there's so many, and the thing is, is you also don't have to make your costume. You can totally buy your costume or commission someone, and it's great. You don't you don't always have to do it yourself. It's going to be fun either way, because I had help making my vest by someone who's way better at making vests than I am, <laughs> and because I, I got the pattern all made up, and then and then I was like, dear God, help me. Right. This is like a puzzle right, that I'm yeah. trying to work on this vest. Yeah, yeah. And it's really nice having that. And then and then it's a lot of a lot of hunting. I, I know my brother, he's like somehow a wizard at finding 
all the costume pieces he needs, he'll go to a thrift store and he'll get his entire cosplay out of that oh, awesome. somehow just hunting stuff down. Yeah. And it's a lot it it's a lot, a lot more hunting yeah, than, a lot of than anything else. So look else. at something and see and be like, okay, this, this can become this. Yeah, and yeah. then you see some people who are so into thinking they have to make their own costume that they're like, I'll have to make my own pair of pants, I have to make my own jacket. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah. well, you could just buy something and then work over that right. on right. top of that. Because yeah. like, I'm wearing a sweater that I got from Value Village and pants that I already had right, and yeah. I painted over some boots that I'd had forever <laughs> and just kind of build on yeah. that. That's awesome. Well, thanks. So where can our listeners find you? Um, I'm currently on desi.ca because uh, I'm Canadian. That's where you can find me. Um, so D-E-Z-I dot C-A is the best way awesome. to find me. And we'll have links on the site and hopefully a couple of pictures to share as well. Alright, yeah. thanks. All right, I'm here with Winter from one of our all-time favorite cons here at Game On Girl, Geek Girl Con, which takes place in Seattle for 2015. Your dates are October 10th and 11th. All right, so how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Excellent. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm loving I love Emerald City. It is so much fun to be here. Yeah. But it's not as much of a community, I feel, as Geek Girl Con is. <laughs> well, we try. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. And you do a great job. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do for Geek Girl Con? Uh, yeah, I'm the manager of editorial services, which is a fancy title for I am the head of the copy team. Awesome. <laughs> we write for the blog. Um, we write all of the, the print and promo copy. Um, we attend the con and right. attend panels at the con and do recaps of right year round. Yeah, so. about the panels. Great. And what kind of content um, is the focus for Geek Girl Con? I mean, other than just geeks and girls, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, basically, it's a celebration of women in all walks of geekery. So women in STEM, women in, women in gaming, and sci-fi and fantasy, and awesome. comics. Yeah. And you get uh, you get some pretty big names coming um, in. We get we get some names. I would say our focus is not really on getting big names. Celebrities, as such. right. As yeah, we have we have some featured contributors who are people that, you know, I've heard of before the con and right. would be excited to see. Uh, we've had Kelly Sue DeConnick a couple yes. of times. Yep. We've had Susan Eisenberg who voices Wonder Woman on Justice League. Um, we so had Jane Espenson. Yeah. I love yeah. her. She's great stuff. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. her too. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm a Buffy nerd, so... <laughs> Me too. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I would say that probably the Geek Girl Con focuses on uh, celebrating and giving a, a voice to people who haven't necessarily made it big yet and haven't necessarily got that big platform. Right, so they don't have the place to have their voice heard as yeah, much absolutely. as they might otherwise. So we have a lot of indie comic artists, mm-hmm. yeah. um, a lot of up-and-coming people. Uh, we have a lot of... I would say one of my favorite aspects of the con is the panels uh, because I feel like the quality of discussion in the panels and in the Q&A is above and beyond any other convention I've been to. Like people just get really in depth into the topic yeah. and um, and like there's a sort of a a level of uh, commitment to learning and understanding. To understanding, that, yeah. Yeah. And it, I think that's one of the reasons why I've um, in my experience of cons, one of the reasons why Geek Girl Con has risen is because it, it, it feels like a place of positive energy and positive community. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I really I really want to commend you guys for, for facilitating that, because I know it's not always a natural way for things to go in the geek community. Well, thank you. Yeah. Welcome. I think uh, 
I think it came out of a group of geek girls who wanted to space experience that community and who had that community among themselves but wanted to make an organization that provided that space for people who hadn't necessarily experienced that yet. Right, right. That's great. So how have you grown? I mean, it's is this going to be the fourth or fifth year? Fifth year. Fifth year, fantastic. Big five-year anniversary. Yes, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So how has it grown? Um, we... Huh. In terms of numbers, we have grown uh, incredibly. It's even from year one, it sold out, and then we've we've tried to do a measured expansion because there can be this thing where cons just sell as many tickets as they possibly can, right? Um, and it just becomes out of control and like too much for the space. Yeah. And I think that with Geek Girl Con, we are. Adjusting our numbers up each year. Um, last year we had about 4,500 people um, over the course of the weekend. Um, but like the aim is to not fill our space to capacity because we want people to be able to get around. We want it to be friendly and welcoming to people who have social anxiety and people who are yes. introverts yeah. and people who don't like being crammed up against 80,000 <laughs> people. And like that's a cool celebration to be yeah. in a room jam-packed full of nerds it's awesome but sometimes you just want the space you want to be able to circulate you want to be right. able to see what you well see. and if those conversations that you mentioned are your focus mm-hmm. having your panels that go in depth that you know take the topics to a different place you need a smaller group for that absolutely yeah when yes. you get the bigger and you know bigger panels are great it's it's fantastic to sit in a room like you said with several thousand other nerds <laughs> who are you know squeeing out about the same thing that you are yeah but you don't get to have those conversations that are focused and deep and sort of reach into the topic and what it means absolutely and i think that is a big driving force behind how we have slowly expanded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you guys kept that in mind because I think there's also that tendency where um, cons or or groups or communities tend to be flash in the pan where you grow too quickly too fast and it kind of fizzles out and so kind of taking it as a measured growth I think is probably in your benefit for that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So what's your favorite geekdom? Uh-huh. Um, if, if you can choose, or a, well, a couple if you can. <laughs> well, I was raving to my partner yesterday about Buffy, because we mentioned Buffy already. Yes. Um, Buffy is my, I would say, my core fandom. My very first fandom that I was involved in was Buffy. It was Buffy. And in fact, cool. it's the reason why I moved to the U.S. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What a draw. <laughs> well, I, I met someone through Buffy fandom on the internet. Yep. And the internet is a powerful place. Yep. That's 15 awesome. years later, here I still am. Yeah, well, nothing wrong with that. So. Yeah, Buffy's mm-hmm. great. Buffy is yeah. one of my go-to fandoms as well. Yeah, people who love Buffy really love Buffy. They I do, find. yes. <laughs> I have a friend who has a theory, and she says uh, people are either fans of Buffy or The Wire. She's like, it's one or the other. Really? Because I love both. And I'm like, I don't know about that. (laughs) I don't know about that. So, yeah, we'll have to, I I had to kind of put it to the test. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's water under that theory. Well, you can, um, you can put me down as a fan of both. As a fan of both. All right. So I will keep that in mind. Uh, What would you, what would be your next go-to? Uh, currently, I am big into Marvel fandom. Ah, oh, awesome. So, um, yeah. Awesome. I just started reading Captain Marvel. 
Oh yeah. Just started, and I started with Kelly Sue DeConnick. She was on our show, yeah. I guess, a couple years ago now. Awesome. And so I started with her with her books. <laughs> so and I'm I'm loving it. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I just met her. Like Did just. You? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like I walked from her booth, and then we wandered circuitous route over uh-huh. here. And, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. She's a great personality. She's fun yeah. to talk with. And a good person. So <laughs> great. Well, do you have any like? teasers you can tell us about this year's Geek Girl Con? Any, any, any news or anything? Um, well, at the moment, we are currently just ramping up um, in our exhibitor and programming submissions. We have exhibitor applications are currently open, okay. so if you have a geeky business or if you're a geeky artist uh, who celebrates That's ready to women, go. Yeah. Yep, uh, please head to geekgirlcon.com and out for an exhibitor. Yep. When do you guys start accepting panels? Panels next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Okay, good. Good to know because we've been uh, throwing some ideas around for oh, a yeah? panel for you guys. So we'll see what cool. might come up for that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some exciting stuff I think might be kind of fun. So. I've been thinking about submitting one too. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, if you do something on Buffy, let me know. <laughs> I have I'm a sure PhD, so it carries a little, you know, weight with a doctor. So. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm so intimidated right now. We just hired a new copywriter. Uh, JC, she's awesome, and she's a doctor, and I'm super intimidated. <laughs> no, no, she's a sweetheart. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I am here with the meaner geek. <laughs> What's going on around here? It's Emerald City Con 2015. <laughs> Woohoo! So we have finally met in person. It's only been, I don't know, what? Two and a half years, years, something like that. Something like that, (laughs) that we have been promoting each other's podcasts and checking out each other's shows. Having a great time doing both. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So how's your uh, your con going? It is phenomenal. Yes, as as always. Tons of people coming up going, what is that? I have to tell them it's Trooper Johnson. It's Vader's PA, and I talk about comic books, and I yell a lot. (laughs) And they're like, oh, yelling? Okay. Exactly. Because what kind of a geek doesn't like some yelling, right? (laughs) For real. You get enthusiastic about things, and you yell. It's all right. We like that. (laughs) So what's been your favorite cosplay you've seen so far? Oh, goodness. There's been some really unique ones, and I was very happy to see those. They had Dead Man from DC. That's... I don't even remember the last time I saw a dead man. And they had Taskmaster. He was great from Marvel. The guy who can um, just see somebody perform an action and then, and then do, do it, it as well as they can. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Never see him running around. I that was pretty that cool. I love that superpower. That's a good one. I'm going to have to remember that the next time somebody asks me that. What do you want is your superpower? Well, question. let me tell you. I have an idea <laughs> for you right here. <laughs> they had that. I've been re-watching Heroes. And they had, it, yeah, because the they're third, doing a thing, right? They're reborn, yes, yep. Yes, reborn, right. And even Masioka's yeah. back. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> interesting. And so you've been rewatching it. And they had a character that could do that. All she had to do was watch it, and she would go and out and kick major ass. Interesting. I don't remember that. I'll have to check. I'm, I was thinking about rewatching that, too, but it I got was, so... It started so strong. It did. And then it just sort of... <laughs> faded away. Well, the writer's strike really banged them in. That's true. They were right in the middle of all that. They only had a half a season in two. Yeah. They didn't know what they wanted to do with three, but it just got way too... Yeah, everything got a little too crazy. Give me some superhero fights, Matt. Right, exactly. No, you gotta talk about, ooh, the history of the Pacellis, ooh. Right. (laughs) 
it was it bored me. Yeah. But I finally finished the half season of four, and it was okay. Yeah, yeah. You gotta watch what's gonna happen. You gotta see it through to the end. What have you been catching up on lately? Uh, I have been. Oh, what have I been doing? I've just started reading Captain Marvel. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> I'm. I will fully admit, as I have been admitted on the show before, comics are not a real strong area of knowledge <laughs> for me. I don't have a lot large basis. But Rhonda's a big Captain Marvel fan, Excellent. and she loves her, so I was like, well, let me check this out. Yeah, she's so. a great character. She is a great character. So I started with Kelly Sue DeConnick's... Volume um, one or two? One. Yeah. First six, seven issues were kind of weak to me because of the time travel thing. Yeah. I don't take the time travel well. Yeah. So I kind of had to abandon it. And yeah. then they said, well, they're going to bring it back. I was like, good. Good chance to revisit it. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'll see how I how I feel about them as I kind of go. So far, I'm enjoying it. Good. Um, good. I've been doing a lot of uh, mobile gaming. It's been kind of my my big yeah. thing lately. Yeah. What and board got? gaming with my friends. Oh, I've been playing these awful games. <laughs> just awful. Like the ones where you're supposed to pester your Facebook friends oh, to help you those. play. Yeah. I never do that. I only pester my Facebook friends that already play the games because they've pestered me about them. But well, fair is fair. Fair is fair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, what was the one I had been playing? There was a couple that I played that were pretty good. So there's a Sherlock mobile game. There is? Yes, for the for the series. Well, like Cumberbatch-style yeah. Sherlock? What? Get out! You can look at the icons. What do they do with that? Oh, my God. And I haven't started it because it has, like, video clips you need to watch and stuff. Oh, so. okay. But I want to play that one. And, um... I was playing Spellfall, but I finally gave it up. Spellfall is... Spellfall is like a, you know, it's like a Bejeweled game. Oh, But it's okay. an RPG Bejeweled. So you All have... Right. You have weapons that you upgrade that make you do more damage. Oh. You're actually fighting a foe. And there's a whole storyline that goes through it, which is really fantastic. Well, that is a twist on a casual it is. mobile game. It is. That almost never happens. Yeah, so they have a story. It has armor and weapons. Oh, the problem goodness. is it takes you forever to kind of get to the end of it unless you want to spend lots of money buying gold. So. No, me, wrong yeah. answer. Thank you for playing. It takes some time. <laughs> it takes... I did get through it eventually without spending very much money. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, saw that expression. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of glad this isn't a video. I would have totally given myself away on that one. <laughs> well, they did the same thing to me on Marvel. Yeah. You know, the Avengers yeah. Alliance. The Avengers Alliance, the same thing, yeah. You get to a point where, you know, you have I had to put to the stop. money in. I like, no, I'm not buying <laughs> Rogue. Yeah. God. <laughs> Leave me alone. I just want to fight. Look, there's right. an aim guy. Let me punch him. Right, right, exactly. This is what I want to do with this. I want to take him out. What else is going on? There's a couple of super indie guys who are doing Kickstarter projects for some really interesting concepts. Cool. There's one guy who's doing a, a project called Shaman, ah. which apparently has some really unique magic rules in its universe uh-huh. so I'm kind of looking forward to that there's cool. like a weird father-daughter uh, team up going on where the pop is constantly berated by the daughter in a joking way and he's like ah, okay fine <laughs> oh, so that ought to cool. be fun yeah and then uh, eventually I'll get to these guys behind us oh yeah who have this really weird thing where music becomes a weapon and they can visualize the sounds and create weapons out of them and stuff Interesting. I got I'm talking to a guy named Ron Randall tomorrow, who has been um, 
an artist for all the major companies and has his, his own really excellent strip called Trekker. So. Ah, I bet that's right up your alley. It is. Nice. <laughs> that's cool. Very cool. Uh, well, I'm kind of like disappointed. I haven't been able to find anybody to sign most of my books. Oh, it's very that's difficult. too bad. Yeah. That's too bad. Like the guy right next to us? Yeah. I forgot books for him, so oh, that's my fault. Yeah. There's another guy right down there named Mike Mignola. He, um, I don't think he likes to talk when he signs books. Could be. Because I was like, hey, Mike, this book, we I bought, this is the original copy I got in 1988 when you released it. And he's like, this is a great book. Have a good time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's got to be interesting because, you know, this whole, like, doing a booth thing is like half promoting yourself and it half is. getting a chance to, you know, check That's out the, the people part. who are here. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to yeah. miss... Anybody who might actually show genuine interest right. in what you're putting out there. Right. But yep. I got books that are begging to be signed. Exactly. I there are get prints begging to be things. bought. Yes. yes. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of stuff going on that you have to get kind of moved around to. And it totally destroys your panel going capability. Yes. Absolutely. Which, I was thinking about going to one tomorrow morning and I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. Ah, which one? Uh, one about uh, uh, defending your kids when they like games, like to parents who don't like video games huh. and things like that. I didn't it's see by that a, in the list. It's a, by a group called Pixel Kin, um, who we've had oh, on the I've show Oh, I've seen their before. ads around here, yeah. yeah. They, um, they're all about sort of family and gaming. Oh, good. I'm, I'm actually going to try to talk to one of their writers tomorrow, too. Oh. So hopefully we'll get all that in there. Yeah. And we got a little co-op thing going on this morning with Geek Girl Con. That yeah, was we did. Cool. Yeah, we both got to talk to Winner from Geek Girl Con, and that was awesome. Um, and that's a great con. I know that you're on the, the East Coast, so yeah, I know coming this is out the here best is probably I get. Yeah, yeah. once a year is understandable. But uh, Geek Girl Con is pretty fun. It's a lot smaller than this is. A lot uh, the smaller. smaller ones are very useful. They are. You get to, everybody gets time for everything. Yeah. You get a and lot more networking that goes yes, on. Yes, they get right You get a lot. Yeah. Be, you gotta get to see a lot of people. But, uh, i got to find some smaller cons, though, because this one got taken over by Reed Pop this year, and it, it worries me just a little bit. Yeah, it's a little it's a little corporate feeling this year. Yeah. Different than it has if, felt in the years past. If they do what they did to New York, then eventually they're going to bring over, they're going to have to actually separate out the comics from everything, from everything else in the else. universe. Yeah, yeah. Separated out from the gaming, and yeah. New York's got a monstrous gaming floor. It's oh, really? crazy. Intel's uh, sponsors it, and a couple other yeah. like uh, video card companies sponsor it, like AMD, Nvidia. Mm-hmm. But it's just like you've got 150 people playing games when there's stacks of comics just over there. Right. Yeah. People buy entire weekend passes, like VIP passes, like, I'm going to play Hearthstone right now with everybody I know. Right, like, um, why aren't you just doing that, that at home? home? <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. there's prizes, maybe? There's, there could be notoriety, you know, esports, etc., etc. Oh, yeah, there's that. You know, so, interesting. Well, cool. Well, thanks. I'm so glad that we got a chance to yeah, find the chat great. and get to you on the show. Uh, I'm here with Adrian from Geek Girl Con, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for Geek Girl Con? So um, I have been with Geek Girl Con as a volunteer since the beginning, and I was kind of a volunteer at large for a couple years, um, and then 
I was the manager of editorial services for two years, and I've recently stepped back from that position, and I'll be stepping into a new position soon to sort of to be announced. To be announced. Ooh, that yeah. sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. How did you get involved with Geek Girl Con? I actually was at Sakaraka. At SakuraCon um, in okay. 2011, with my daughter, who's a big an- um, anime and manga fan, and I saw their table and just knew that was that was where you needed to be. Yep, awesome. exactly. Awesome. And so I stepped in where I could and tried to help out from the beginning. I like to be behind the scenes on things. Some things I come to, like Emerald City Comic Con, I like to yeah, be yeah, one of the fans. About, yeah. yeah, and out and about and doing the floor and yes. stuff. But yes. then, well, you're in you're in cosplay today. Yep. So that's awesome. Why don't you tell our listeners what you're <laughs> dressed up as? I am a Kellis Amberly zombie bride. That's from the News Flesh series by Mira Grant, who is um, an alias for Seanan McGuire, who's here to who's here this weekend. So right. that's why. I, nice. Did you get a chance to go by? I did. And. and yeah, and she and loved it. Awesome. Yeah, that's and she, great. yep, <laughs> and uh, yep. So I got to talk to her a little bit about oh, it. That's fantastic. Take some pictures. Get some books signed. Oh. <laughs> well, I've been to Geek Girl Con twice. Okay. I went um, this past year. Uh, we're planning. Uh, my co-host and I are working on a panel. So nice. We're big fans of Geek Girl Con. Um, and one of the things I'd asked Winter about, I'll ask you about too. I feel like there's a really strong sense of community at Geek Girl Con. Would you say that, that, you, that you think that that's true? I think that's true. There's a, a strong sense of community on the staff, and we try to um, make the entire organization and and community of Geek Girl Con be a community. So we have our website, and there are people. We have our, our annual convention, and there are people who can come to that, but not everyone can come to that. And right. so even through our website, we try to make it feel like other people can right. can do that. We strive with that with our social media. I know Christine Hassel or um, social media manager strives for that as well, and and I think um, we've succeeded. And I, I do think we've succeeded, and I I get that feedback from people, and and we're always trying to expand our community as well get and more people get and, more people, yeah. not just in the oh we want more people, right. but um, you know we came from a, a a place where not every con is always safe. Right. For every person, yes, exactly. And we want to have our con be safe for yeah. every person. Yeah. And there are people who um, still don't know about us, who are exactly who we want to come and right. be safe in our community. Right. Who, who, you know, are very geeky, very interested in in comics or in gaming right. or in um, you know science fiction, fantasy, literature. These sort of things that that we try to you know the geek. Yes, exactly. That you want to make sure people feel they know it's okay to be fans of. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think you guys do a great job. Oh, well, thank you. I, I really do. I've been to several cons, and um, I really feel the community shines <laughs> at Geek Girl Con. So. Well, we work really hard <laughs> for that. That yeah. it's, it, it's so gratifying to hear that because we do really spend a lot of time and a lot of effort to do that. Yeah. And we're all volunteers, so, you yeah. know, it's... Yeah. And it shows that you love what you're doing. I think that comes out in the con. Yeah. So, so what's your favorite geekdom? If you can pick one, I know it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I am, um, originally a nerd, kind of. I you know, I'm, read, I'm still struggling with the difference between the two. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but I really identified as a nerd. I was kind of smart in school. I read. 
a ton of um, science fiction and fantasy to begin with. Um, first con I ever heard of was Dragon Con back in the 80s, and I wanted to go, but I was 12. <laughs> and my parents were like, you're not going to Atlanta for Atlanta what the heck is this? hanging out with a bunch of people you don't know, yeah. dressed up as I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And, you know, and I, I kept reading and reading was always very into that. And um, when I will, I, and I, I gamed. We got a Nintendo system. You know, we weren't early adapters. My parents didn't like, they were much happier with me reading books than playing games. Right. But, you know, and. Each has its Yep. And so I, I remember playing, um, I think it was called Castle Quest or something like that at the time, which no one ever heard of and no one ever played, but it was my favorite game and I loved yeah. it. And of course Tetris, because who doesn't right, didn't love Tetris? Yes, yes. And um, and then from that gaming, uh, when I met my now husband at the time, um, he really liked computer games, and so I played a lot of computer games because he had them, right. and he had a computer, and I didn't what have a computer. What games do you remember? Um, so my favorite, probably one of my favorite games of all time is Dungeon Keeper, okay, yeah. which is yep. so old that it, you can't even get systems to play it anymore, because yeah. you can't even, at this point, systems won't even... Recognize the code, because yeah, they you, completely different engines. Yeah, yeah. and that you, like, for a while, even though they were sort of beforehand, we could... Um, What's that called? You, you kind alias. of built, yeah, alias it, and yep. and we can't. Not that I've done the, that. Okay, I totally have. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I played it right up until my we couldn't yeah. make it work anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I will admit to being a World of Warcraft person. I do. Me too. I played for years. Oh, I I took about four years off um, when we had a big move and a big change in our lives. And I'm a scientist, so that does put me, I think, firmly in the geek. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I will give you the big spiel. I am a, um, so I always say I'm a scientist. What kind of scientist? I'm a, I'm a chemist. I'm actually a physical chemist. So I look at, um, and I'm a, and within that field, I'm an NMR spectroscopist. Oh, wow. So it's like MRI. In fact, MRI came out of NMR. And instead of looking at water in the body and getting an image, I look at atoms and molecules and get a picture of what those okay. molecules look like and how they're interacting with each other. So that that's is super cool. what I do. That's really and what like what kind of what kind of applications come out of that? So I'm a, I'm a I always like I'm a basic scientist. So for me, it's so you're just doing the pictures, and then somebody else is doing the what. So I mean, we should always have an idea of what can be done with what we're going right, to do. Sure. Um, but one thing that's a little sad in science isn't always used to be that way. You used to pursue knowledge for the pursuit of knowledge. Right, yeah. And now, if you can't apply it in some way, it's awful hard to get, Yeah, there's like, a lot of more corporate sort of drive to and just how do we market even, this and yeah, what are you going to do with it. And yeah. how do you get them, you know, and just to get the money to do yeah. research to find things out. So you used yeah. to do research just to answer questions yeah. and find out more about the world, but now we, we can't so much. Um, so I look at proteins and their associated biominerals, um, and what that can tell us is how to do bone repair and how to make devices that can be inserted into the body that will be accepted by the body. So like nanotechnology or um, it's those not, kinds of things. Maybe. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm not a scientist. That's so I'm okay. I'm throwing out things I know from science fiction that might come true. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of nanotechnology. Um, mine is just, mine is, you know, even more basic than that. It's, if we can figure out these interactions as proteins, maybe we can mimic, mimic them somehow. Right, sure. So one project I work on, um, there are people who are, uh, 
making, um, they're really interested in improving materials uh, that are worn, and Titania has a lot of great benefits to it in terms of, um, you know, sun resistance and um, being really uh, hard, but like kind of soft at the same time so like really resistant so malleable but yeah, yeah but and, strong at and the same time exactly and um i'm trying to think of like like kind of um like bulletproof vests so like it's not right but it's lighter weight then so if they can right. kind of take a bulletproof vest and make it lighter weight right. type of deal and so what i there are proteins that make titania uh-huh. and then you don't have to go through these really harsh industrial right. processes right. to dig it up yeah right. so my thing would be let's figure out how to do this in this way and then maybe we can do a biomimic right because this is just bench talk chemistry right. we don't need high pressures and temperatures right. and create create uh, these extreme phs right so that's kind of where that's very cool my research and interest is nice. yeah and so where do you work i actually work at the university of washington okay okay yeah Awesome. I got my PhD from uh, WSU. Okay. So, technically, we would be enemies, but I I came to work there. My yeah. my schooling's all, so I don't have any. Yeah, I don't have any. I mean, yet. go Huskies, but still. I know. I, I I joke because I went to UC Santa Cruz, and their mascot is the banana slug. So I tell everybody. A what? A ba- oh, banana, banana slug. slug. And so yeah, I tell everybody I'm a slug at heart. So I really don't care what happens with cats and dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. Um. I was a, as an undergrad. I was a cougar, and then, um, but I, I got my graduate degree from UNL, University of Nebraska Lincoln, which is corn huskers. I don't know where they fit into any of this, and now I'm a, yeah, I have a husky. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping in and talking with us today. And I'm always encouraging our audience to make sure they make it out to Geek Girl Con if they can. Oh, we would love to have them. All right, I'm here now with Simone from one of my all-time favorite websites, Pixelkin. Hi, everyone. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer with Pixelkin.org, and I'm so excited to be at ECCC. Yes, yes. This is such a great event. Mm-hmm. And you guys are local, right, to Seattle? We are. We're based in the U District. Uh, there are four of us. is four women who run this website for vi- about video games for families. Uh, we talk about how video games can bring people together and help them connect. Awesome, yeah. That's one of the things I love. I love reading the stuff. I love your videos. Thank you. I've been checking them out. I've been checking out your game reviews because, you know, getting more into, like, family gaming and family-oriented gaming and all that stuff. So Yeah, that's one of the things we really, aside from having reviews, we really want to provide information about a wide array of games for families, right. kind of objectively just describing what is in the game so that people can see, you know, right. do I want to look into this further or not? Is this right for my family? Awesome. Yeah. So what kinds of games do you guys end up focusing on? Or do you have a particular focus? On me personally? Yeah. Oh gosh, I kind of I kind of pick up everything that. Uh, see, we have a someone who loves Nintendo on the staff. We have someone who loves role playing games and like M rated games. So I, I pick up whatever everyone else doesn't cover. Uh, okay. I love the I love platformers though. I love the Little Big Planet games. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's fun. Yeah, that gives you a little bit. 
of, uh, of sort of speciality, I guess. And my niche. Yes, you got your niche. Everything Media Molecule does, basically, everyone knows that it's mine. If a Media Molecule game comes out, I will fight anyone to For be it. able to review it first. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. What are you guys doing at the con? Like, what's what's been ah. your drive here? So here uh, we're tabling. We usually go to local conventions and set up a table just so we can meet people and connect with them, both to get the word out and to, like, right. see what people are interested in knowing about our website and what they'd like us to cover. So, oh, nice. yeah, we're actually doing a scavenger hunt this weekend. We're giving away T-shirts if you... Cool. Uh, take pictures with cosplayers and stuff like that. So, oh, neat. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's exciting. Really fun. Have you been getting a lot of good feedback from that? Yeah, Being yeah. It's been really fun. For and people to do. Yeah, and we're, yeah. since we're doing an event at the EMP next month for kids who want to make games, uh, we've been kind of raising awareness for that. And there's so many people who are coming by and they're like, oh, my niece loves right. making games. Like, she's learning to scratch. She right. wants to make games. And oh, that's just awesome. so exciting to oh, hear. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Cool. So what kind of um, requests are you getting from people for the site? Uh, I guess they mostly just want to, they want to know, a lot of people actually want to know about robotics, which is unfortunately something we don't do, but uh, they do, they want to know about psychology of games, and there's a lot of interest in how games can promote mental health, how kids can use games to focus, and um, especially kids with autism, how they interact with games. Yeah, that was one of the things that Linda talked about in her interview, was talking about the research for autism and how it helped kids with different... Uh, learning disabilities and things, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, There's a lot really of, cool. I think, applications there just to to get a child centered down and focus on one thing so they can relax and forget all the outside stimulus right, right. and have kind that quiet moment. Yeah. yeah, it was really funny. I teach an education class, and uh, some of my students have done research about kinesthetic learners, so people who are more hands-on. And they were saying that iPads are actually good for kinesthetic learners, and I was yeah. like... But because they're touching the screen and yeah, they're interacting yeah. with it in a different way, even though they do a book, you know, they, they, they take in and they sort of have that tactile experience, which seems to help. So yeah, I, like, I love well, that. I haven't even, like, thought about the iPad as a tactile experience. Yeah. But. Uh, Nicole, uh, what our, one of our editors, she is doing a video series right now on apps that her two-year-old loves. And one of them is just, like, they look like games that I want to play. And there's this one called Endless Reader where you're, like dragging words into sentences and the words like make sound effects that kind of relate to what the word means and that was just so cool oh I'm gonna have to check that one out definitely I have the hungry caterpillar nice yes I haven't seen that one but I love that book so it is really fun and it's you know you feed the caterpillar and the caterpillar changes and turns into a butterfly oh my gosh it is really cool it's really cool so are you doing you're doing screen time right now with Uh, just a little bit yeah just a little bit at this age I don't like to do very much but every now and then and she's at the point where she's not old enough to actually like manipulate the screen other than hit the menu button on my phone (laughs) one thing that she has learned absolutely adeptly how to do is hit that menu button and nothing else so yeah. she can push the buttons but um yeah I just do a little bit I actually really appreciated an article I think oh yeah it was Nicole or no I can't remember who it was Margaret maybe who wrote about screen time not yeah. being as like evil as people are kind of yes. making it out to be these yes. days and that was really kind of heartening for me to see because I'm like, it seems it like there's so much good stuff. Yeah, and, and there's so yeah. much shame, I think, that's put on parents about screen time when yeah. sometimes it's like, this isn't a question right. of, is my child's brain going to melt out of its I ears? Know. Like, I need well, 15 like, minutes to, exactly. like, do the dishes or something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's interesting. And it's interesting to kind of 
be a critical parent in the first place and a media yeah. critic and be like, okay, what am I going to do with this whole thing of yeah. Disney princesses and all this oh, kind gosh. of stuff? Yeah, that, and that's a know, whole other thing. Yeah, but, that's coming yeah. up too. But um, <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm really careful about not having her watch a lot of stuff with uh, dynamic editing. Oh, really? I know, like, if yeah. I let her watch TV, I, I want it to be something that's more static. So I tend to go to uh, my Amazon Prime account and watch the old Mr. Rogers. <gasps> oh, gosh. Because the classic Mr. Rogers was pretty much just him talking to the screen. Yeah, And, you yeah. know, people coming in, but not a lot of, like, the SpongeBob stuff where you see a lot of, like, flashing and yeah, you know, stuff. Yeah, yeah, when cool quick cuts. Yeah, when she does see that, she's just kind of like... And you can see, like, the, the, the melting beginning, like, oh, okay, like... <laughs> check out which is okay because everybody needs to check out especially I think sometimes with the kind of development that goes on for sure there's so much to take in there is yeah yeah Yeah. they're fascinated just looking at spinning mobiles exactly exactly. (laughs) this is a whole whole TV is another league yeah and when we're out and about sometimes we'll be in the restaurants and there'll be a TV on and it's like you need to eat now and she's like hi oh look there's a TV over there they're so attracted to it (laughs) it is yeah Yeah. I mean we are too as adults I know exactly it's 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 hard to look away from screens yeah but that's one of my things is that I think the like no like I don't like absolutes in general. I mean, yeah, that's one of the reasons exactly. why I study gender. I want people to understand it's not absolute. Exactly. And I think no screen time as an absolute creates that, like, if you say no sugar, all they want is a lollipop, right? So exactly. no screen time, all they're going to want is screen time. So yeah. I feel like it needs to be a choice among many yeah. things to do. So. And that's one thing that we we really want to encourage parents to find their own way mm-hmm. of managing their right. screen time. We're not going to say this X amount of hours a day. And yeah. this kind of interaction and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Every kid so, yeah. is different. Every exactly. family is different. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much for, for talking to me. Yeah. yeah. And check out if you guys, I've already, put, I, I pimped Pixel Ken before, but make sure you guys go and check them out. Yay. <laughs> now have a good ECCC. CC. All right, I'm here now with Simon and Eliza, and they're going to tell us about Problem Glyphs and Black Hole Wizard. And you guys may remember Simon from an episode of, oh God. Almost two years. Almost two years yeah. ago. About uh, Privateer Press and, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the game right now. War Machine Tactics. War Machine Tactics. How could I forget? I don't know. I don't know That's either. what happens on the third day of the It's con. Sunday. It's, your, it's your okay. Your head just goes somewhere else. So why don't you guys, why don't you tell us about what you've got going on here? Uh, sure. So um, <clears throat> uh, at Privateer, I've been working there as the marketing coordinator and also as a staff writer at times. And uh, I've been doing RPG writing for a really long time. Um, and actually, about the time that we were doing the, uh, the War Machine Tactics Kickstarter, uh, I had started doing some world building just in my spare time. Uh, I was going to run a D&D campaign or something. Uh, kind of a very 70s sci-fi fantasy a lot of current doom metal uh, I've been listening to at the time. and uh, So incorporating the music you were listening to into your writing. Yeah, that was a really That's big awesome. influence, like some bands yeah. like Sleep and Electric Wizard and, of course, Black Sabbath. Um, right. And uh, that whole kind of retro 70s heavy metal aesthetic. Um, cool. And I wanted to make a, a game set in that world. And uh, as I was doing my world building, it kind of grew out of control. <laughs> and um, I realized I'd have a, I had a much I had a much bigger setting than I... I didn't really want anybody else playing it. Right. Um, so... Moving from tabletop RPG, I was like, well, let's, maybe I'll do a comic book. And um, that's when I reached out to Eliza here, uh, who I knew would be a good match for the project. Awesome. And you guys knew each other already? 
Yeah, we had worked on Unhallowed Metropolis together, and uh, we know a lot of the same people. So, yeah, it's uh, the Seattle nerd goth scene. There's, so it's a Venn diagram, but it's almost <laughs> just a circle. So yeah. we've, we've known all of these same people for like 15 years at this point, and... Um, probably met each other multiple times right. and just you know that makes for a good community a good solid community yeah no yeah. for sure yeah and that's a, it's a great way to build so did you already have um the kind of look artistically that you thought would work I guess Simon thought so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I uh I, I definitely am I pull my aesthetics a lot from like uh um, I grew up, my, my father, so let me start over, my father's a science fiction novelist and a, a major nerd from like, you know, the golden age of sci-fi, because he's quite old. And, sorry, Dad. And, um, just throw him under the bus. So he grew up, you know, he, I grew up with this household that was just full of like Von Baudet and heavy metal and R. Crumb, Zap Comics, you know, yeah. all of this like old Mobius, um, uh, Inky Bilal, all of that really old stuff. And didn't, you know, he wasn't really interested in, like, the newer comics, so I have this sort of weird kind of time warp in terms of my artistic influences, and uh, I think that's exactly what appeals to Simon. We, right. we, sort of, we sort of see eye to eye on that. Oh, that's really cool. So. And that's really different. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a very unique perspective to take. It's weird, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are a little disturbed by it. And, right. You know, my father, of course, is very proud of me, so... <laughs> <laughs> As he should be, I'm sure. But that's great, because that kind of incorporates... I love projects that incorporate uh, multiple facets of people's personalities, Yeah, you know, and that kind of blend that. I think that's part of what, it, especially in uh, graphic novel and comic yeah. book form, really makes a lot of indie stuff unique, is that fact that people are able to mix who they are in different aspects yeah. of you know, yeah, no. their, their personality. I'd say the two major it. influences on the design work that I've done so far have been... Uh, Egon Sheila and Frank Frazetta, which is sort of a, a weird marriage, but um, there's a lot of that sort of, since all of it, a lot of it takes place in zero gravity, we have that balletic motion, right. um, and it's an interesting compositional challenge trying to arrange bodies in a place where gravity does not exist, right, right. So, and Egon Sheila did that in, in a lot of his portraiture. And the wizard has that body type too. Uh-huh. He has that sort of stringy runway model build. Nice. So, well, give us a little like synopsis of Black Hole Wizard and, and give us an idea. Uh, like, sure. Soundbite of it. Black Hole Wizard follows our protagonist, uh, Kutaiba of Alanskape, because I wanted to have as many apostrophes in my character's name as possible. I gave him so much crap about that when I read the script. <laughs> yeah. Um, who is uh, a Black Hole Wizard, uh, which is sort of set in our. Maybe the future, maybe the distant past, doesn't really matter. Far depths of outer space and time. Um, and uh, he has, uh, as part of Black Hole Wizard training, he knows how to summon the demons from the, uh, the void in between stars, which may also be the void in between neurons. So um, our first episode sees him uh, summoning the demon Alistair uh, for purposes that will become clear as the issue in the first six-issue story arc goes on. Uh, it's a little complicated. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything just right. yet since it's not out yet. Right. Um, yes. But uh, a little snapshot. Yeah, Kutaiba is going to summon Alistair, who is uh, a very powerful demonic entity from uh, within black holes. Essentially, that's sort of our ver- in our cosmology, the uh, hell or the abyss or maybe the afterlife. It's a little unclear exactly what right. that is. Yeah. Um, is can be accessed via black holes. Um, right. And uh, his summoning doesn't go exactly as planned, and the consequences of that will see him. Uh, chasing Alistair across uh, the, the universe, um, exploring some new and interesting worlds, and destroying them almost every issue. Cool. 
So it might be my uh, my own reaction to a lot of really careful world building at Privateer over the years, and that I, I think in the first six issues I made five entirely new worlds, cultures, and societies, and then destroy them in the most gruesome ways possible. <laughs> so, uh, well, and how is that for you as the artist, that he is taking this imagination and creating world upon world and tearing them apart at the same time? Well, uh, you know, it takes him a few hours to write a script. It takes me... <laughs> It takes me several months of, uh, of concentrated labor, which is an right. interesting, I mean, it's it's sort of this time dilation thing because the script is this kind of porthole into a much, much bigger fractalization right. of the story. So, I mean, I'm very inspired by uh, the void and, and sort of the concept of black holes and, and deep space, and I come from a hard science fiction background. Right. So I immediately thought of deep sea creatures and animals that survive under intense pressure. And of course, you know, in this case, we're looking at animals that survive under absolutely zero pressure. But I took... uh, The same kind of the opposite side of the same spectrum, right? And we're dealing with sort of the micro-macro facings in design work with even the script. So I wanted to mirror that in the artwork. So for inspiration in, uh, in designing demons, I went to sea creatures... Um, in particular, those who live in abyssal depths and who have photophores on them. Right. So uh, each demon is covered in photophores, which you know not only look really cool, right. but make them into living constellations, and also allow them to hide on the background of the stars. Right, right. So there is this exactly. Yeah. There's this this sense of sort oh, of that's stealth. So cool. yeah. You know, at the same time as the sort of the glowy effects that right. we love to see in comics right. like this. That's, that's such a great combination of um, using your environment yeah. and kind of and playing off it and, and taking it to like a, a whole new place, which is what you're supposed to do, right? I'm kind of <laughs> obsessive about um, like system building. I want things to make internal sense both visually and theoretically. Right. Right. So, for example, Alistair's uh, mask, it's, it's never really determined whether it's a mask that he's wearing or some sort of a chitinous thing that's you know, protruding from his skull. I designed it by taking a uh, the squid of a Humboldt, or the, the beak of a Humboldt squid that I have on my desk, putting it in front of my webcam and then mirroring the canvas and then moving the beak very slightly and taking right. a bunch of reference pictures right. of us of the symmetrical design that resulted. Right. So when you see his mask in the comic, you can kind of see the curve of the edges yeah. of the beak. Yeah. And that's where that comes from. This is really making me wish Rhonda, my co-host, was here for this. Because she's an artist, so she would be just huh. eating up listening to you talking about your references. <laughs> I'd love to talk to her. And everything. Yeah. yeah, that's really fantastic. Awesome. Nice. So now, Problem Glyphs came out of this project? or No, kind of like... they, they are definitely spiritual siblings, okay. um, but uh, they don't really have anything to do with, do one with another. each other. Okay, I wasn't sure. I follow on Facebook, both on Facebook. but Yeah, we're cross-promoting you know. so much yeah. it's sort of hard to tell. And actually, Alistair does appear in the Problem Glyphs deck. Um, there is a card called uh, Finish Your Fucking Comic Book. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> Because somebody nice. wrote in with a problem that was, you know, I need motivation to finish right. my projects, and I, I, you know, that was, oh, that was the first thing that, that came to right mind. Now. So, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of glyphs that address um, creativity, um, people who are having uh, questions about their gender identity is another really big topic that we see a lot, and. Um, People who are dealing with uh, oppression in, in kind of a general sense, it, it, Problem Glyphs is very much about millennial issues, I would say. We are, our audience is primarily people under the age of 35. Right, yeah. 
and actually that's the people who've been coming by the booth mostly is um, younger teenagers, uh, which is really fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to be able yeah. to talk to them. That's so. a great market to tap into because yeah. if you get them, hopefully they'll stay with you. They'll stick with us. They're yeah, really yeah. loyal, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's an, that's an interesting character. And they have such fresh show. ideas that it's, yeah. it's really helpful to have them in the right. audience submitting problems right. and, you know, yeah. giving, giving me that feedback. So. Yeah. You should probably explain what it is. Then. Oh, yeah, yeah. we've yeah. been talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that was going to be my next yeah. question. It's Could kind you get of the blurb. <laughs> it's sort of a, a visual take on uh, sort of an advice column. It started off out just as a post on my blog. I was, you know, uh, looking for things to draw, kind of as a break while I was working on the comic book. And I posted, you know, if you send me a problem that you have, um, and you can send it anonymously, I'll just do it. I'll do a sigil for you. And I use a program called Alchemy, which is a drawing program. Um, that's sort of designed to be kind of a brainstorming program for artists, so it has certain limitations built in, such as you can't erase. Right. You can't hit... Oh, un- wow. Yeah, you can't undo... Oh, my God. So There's it's like you're using pen and paper where you'd have it and you couldn't kind undo of, it. Kind yeah. like, go back. I yeah. can draw white over black, and all of the glyphs are designed uh, black on white. Um, so that's sort of... It, it is... You know, mentally it becomes different than just erasing something, and of course I can't hit undo, so there is a commitment to the lines. Right. And it it does form a kind of a a ritual concentration aspect, you know. Um, And different probably from what you're doing for the book in terms of the artistic. Right. Because the book is definitely more of a traditional drawing, because that's kind of what you have to do for comics. So this was, um, you know, we're at over 150 glyphs now. It's been going for about a year and a half. Wow, nice. And it's been supported on Patreon for eight months at this point. No, it's, it'll be a year next month. It'll be a year? Okay. Nice. So nice. Uh, it's been going really well, and yeah. the project seems to be just sort of expanding organically. Um, but yeah, each each glyph has its own accompanying problem that somebody sent in to me, so they, they form this... There's that, that duality again, right, you know, yeah. they, they form this sort of this pairing. And then the glyphs, as they are produced, come with titles. Uh, so if I feel like I haven't explained myself fully in, in the drawing, right. I try to right, yeah, I try to add some description right. there with the title. And That's nice. Yeah. It's nice to get Those are pasties, yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> Thanks, they're not mine. <laughs> So it just pulls from my, I mean, my artistic influences, but also my mythological, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an armchair archaeologist, so I just really like this stuff, and yeah. it was really cool to do a project yeah. where I could sort of combine well, all this. Well, that gives this. the artist a certain amount of depth, too, because it gives you, like, that great pool to pull from. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if it wasn't clear, all of the problems are submitted anonymously online, so people go to the website, right. and they uh, they tell us our their deepest, their darkest, deepest secrets. darkest secrets. darkest secrets. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pretty heavy project. And it's free. People like don't it. people don't right. pay me for the glyphs. Right. They submit the problem for free anonymously, and I just do yeah. I do the glyph and post it for free. So. Yeah. Well, it's I've, interesting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I've just been, uh, people have been asking about the project this week, and I've been telling them that Eliza basically produces a uh, provides an occult psychotherapy service yes. on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's fantastic. It's interesting for me to think about it in terms of your artistic process. Yeah. Because when I was writing my dissertation, I was keeping like a personal blog at the same time, mm-hmm. and. I swear it was the the dual writing that helped me finish the bigger project. Yes. Like I had to have that other outlet for whatever other like leftover words I had in my head that weren't dissertation material. Yeah. So it sounds like this is kind of a similar thing where it gives you like that artistic outlet that is just different enough from the book right. to keep you kind of producing. It's, it's funny how like 
creativity begets creativity. For sure. You know? yes. It's awesome. It's so. definitely a resonant effect. And, you know, for me, I need to have several projects going at once or yeah. I, I burn out. And that's just a pro- you know, product. It's funny. So you need more stuff so you don't burn out. It's <laughs> a sickness. No, it's, no, he's been living with me for the past. I mean, I've been staying on his couch for a few days. And he's like, haven't you eaten today? I'm like, no, can't eat working. And it's weird. To, I, sometimes if I'm in, in, you know, living with people in their space, it's sort of like, I really am not normal, am I? <laughs> I get this feedback finally. So, but that's all right because everybody has their process. You know, if I could have a normal office job that paid six figures or five figures or whatever, I would do it, and I can't. So I've been sort of pushed into this, what I do now. I understand. I don't have an office job either, so, and that's my choice. <laughs> cool. So, where can people find both of your projects? Uh, you can find uh, our comic book uh, at blackholewizard.com. And Problem Glyphs at problemglyphs.org. All right. And, of course, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr. And just type it in, Black Hole Wizard or Problem Glyphs will uh, take you to any number of our sites. Yeah, Yeah. and we'll have links on the webpage for you, too, so everybody can get to to your stuff. Great. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank Thank you, you, Regina. You're welcome. You're welcome. And enjoy. Enjoy the rest. We will. The last bit of the con here. Now I am talking to... Oh, God, now I already forgot. Eric. Yes. Eric. All right. Eric Fell. yes. Sorry, it's Sunday, people. Sunday of a con. I have yet to be caffeinated, so (laughs) I'm right there with you. This is going to be even more special. (laughs) So tell us about your projects here at Emerald City Comic Con. Yes, well, at Emerald City Comic Con, uh, we did a show here called The Critical Hit Show. This is something I do in Vancouver, B.C. every month. It's been going for about three years. It's a live, improvised, epic fantasy show inspired by tabletop role-playing games like D&D. It's cool. uh, pretty awesome. I'm the narrator of the show. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I call myself the DM because right. I sit off to the side with right. the screen and I, and I roll dice when needed. And uh, the other performers are the heroes in the adventuring party. Okay. And now, do they go through the whole thing? Do they have, like, character sheets and stats and everything that they're working with? Or are they just kind of improvising? They have character sheets with them. Okay. And, yeah, so when it's time for a skill check, mm-hmm. I say, you know, what's what's, your, what's this skill? Yeah. What's that skill? And nice. we roll for it. Awesome. Yeah. And it very frequently works out to hilarious results. I'm, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I, always, I think that, like, I haven't done a lot of tabletop role-playing game. Yeah. I, play, I play lots of uh, video RPGs. Okay. But um, even with my friends when we're playing board games that have characters that are and it's not an RPG, they, we still RPG, so everybody still is oh, like, yeah. you yeah. know, like doing that. So I have some experience with how hilarious that turns out. Right. So I imagine that if you're performing and you're improvising with all this, it can get even more fun. Yeah, because our performers aren't sitting around a table. They're right. up on the stage interacting with the right. world and interacting with the audience. Yeah. Um, so, are there re- reoccurring characters then? So, do they create these characters and bring them back from month to month? Yes, we okay. created the characters three years ago, and it's still basically the same uh, makeup of adventurers. Cool. There's been like a cast change. Uh, one of the characters died. I was going to ask that if anybody had died, because yes. that would be something that could happen, right? Yes, in our very yes. first show, our dwarf. Uh, <laughs> Thrask Hellbeard died (laughs) and then so in the next show his brother Brask Hellbeard showed up 
which is, you know, That's people fantastic. do that with their gay rights. Like, oh, I don't want to get rid of this character. Right, right. change one letter of the yeah, name. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and I think that that's a lot of what Tolkien was doing anyway. The dwarves, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, there's 13 of Colin them. Colin and Molin. Colin yeah. and Colin, I don't know. Colin. Colin was my favorite. Uh, <laughs> was my favorite dwarf. <laughs> yeah. He was full of crap, though. hey Oh, I need that coffee. You guys get started. I mean, that's such an innovative and such a great idea. How'd you get started putting this together as a show? Well, we're all comedians in Vancouver. We're all improvisers. We all have that background. And I was in a gaming store. I walked by. I, for some reason, I picked up the Dungeon Master's Guide. I hadn't played in years. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And there was actually a, one of the pages said saying yes. And it said the first rule of improv is saying yes. yes. I went, yeah. oh my god, this this could be an improv show. And I immediately. Uh, went into the store. Uh, I was in the store. I went, immediately went out to the back of the store because there were these people at tables playing. Uh-huh, right. And that, that's when they had their Dungeons and Dragons Encounters programs. And I just said, "You guys got to teach me how to play D anD D." Because I hadn't played it since I was twelve. Right. And I did. I went, "Okay, this is this could work." And I asked the people who I thought would have a good time doing it, right, and right. they were all available. And yeah, it was great. I, I couldn't I couldn't be luckier with the cast that we've got. And you have, I imagine it takes a certain amount of chemistry to keep amongst you guys to make the improv work. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, we all knew each other beforehand. Um, Ian Boothby, who is who plays our uh, cleric, uh, the cleric who's, what does he do now? He's, he's, he's an agnostic cleric who worships um, a god based on Pepsi. You know, it happens. Um, yeah, you know, whatever he, He's actually the writer for uh, The Simpsons and Futurama Comics. Oh, wow. For, for Bongo. And awesome. he got me into improv, so I knew him. Right. And then two of the other cast, Sean and Alan, I've, about, the, I, right now I've probably been working with them for almost 10 years. Wow. And Barbara Beale, um, I'd known her off and on from the improv uh, scene. But Joanna Gaskell, we brought on as a special guest. Mm-hmm. We'd never met her. She hadn't done a lot of improv. What she does is she is the creator of a web series called Standard Action. Okay. And, uh, like, she stars in it, writes it, produces it, edits it. She, she's not here at the con right now because she had to fly down to L.A. Because Standard Action is, is at uh, L.A. Web Fest. And, which sucks I was going to say, you know, she'd be a really good person to talk yes, to. absolutely. And it is a D&D-inspired web series. Right. She, is, she started out playing the same character. So she was playing Edda the Elf. Right. And this version of Edda in our show has sort of gone off into some weird directions now. And, um, but, yeah, there's there's really good chemistry. Cool. That's yeah. great. That's really cool. How are, like, are you keeping, let's say how I want to phrase this. Are you keeping, like, track of the story? Is anybody, like, monitoring and seeing, like, how it evolves or keeping a record of it? I am. Okay. I am. And sometimes our fans keep track of stuff. There are people who haven't missed a show in three years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, including con shows. Like, there are, I recognized a couple of people at Emerald City Comic Con last night. You... Yeah, you've seen the show. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. So, they, they sort of follow you. So, you have groupies, essentially, is what you're saying. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Kind of. I don't want to call them groupies. <laughs> that, that, that really diminishes their... Oh, I don't mean to diminish them at all. Yeah, yeah. No, whatsoever. I mean, there's people who, who are heavily invested in these characters. Right. And that's what we've, we've story, figured out. Right, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Which and, is how it should be. And what's really great is, you know, normally when you do an improv show, 
you know, if you do a short form improv show, you, you're like, oh yeah, I've got three minutes to tell this story. Right. Uh, or you do a sort of longer form, 20 minutes or an hour, you can right. introduce something at the beginning of the show that you have at the end of the show. Right. We have the luxury of introducing something in, in February that we can pay off in November. Wow. So it's really cool. Yeah, so we, that's really nice. Like, so we've had like a, a long romantic subplot right. with a couple of the characters, so we had a wedding at the end of the year. Oh, and it's, yeah, and it's also nice because I can sort of create a, you know, a big bad right. that yes. can that can hound them right. for the for the. Tease it a little bit one month. Yeah. Tease it a little bit more in the Ex- next. Exactly. Somebody drops a name and you're like, oh my god, who is that? I treat I treat every show as an episode uh, of a, of if it was like a TV show a TV or something. Show or, yeah. Um, so so I keep it self contained. But if you're watching uh, the, the whole thing, yeah, you can you can see. You can see, see. It so how much. Prep is that for you? You must do a fair amount of sort of writing and planning. I do. I mean, I do a lot of the outlining because right. I want to make sure that to we're keep the structure of the story. Going. Yeah, to keep the structure of the story going, to keep the um, to keep it interesting for both the performers right. and the audience. Uh, I do a huge amount of improvising as well, um, and I spend a lot of time at dollar stores <laughs> because when we bring up monsters to fight. We have audience members come up, and I give them costumes and, right, and swords. Right. And since the show started, we were originally using it like, "Oh, here's some classic D and D monsters." Right. But as time has gone on, I've sort of cre- created yeah. newer, weirder monsters. Uh, one of our one of our big hits was uh, the bear bees, which are half bear, half bee. That's terrifying. And well, and that was because really last year around Valentine's Day, I found some teddy bears with with, uh, stripes Uh, and I just tied them on strings and had them as bear bees and they were such a huge hit that people were asking me about them people were asking me for their stats and we brought them back in the late summer and we had I don't know if you know her but we had uh, burlesque performer and cosplayer Desi Desire. <laughs> yes, we had her on the show earlier. Oh, did you? Oh, that's great. She's wonderful. Desi.ca is, is her website. Uh, we had her play the queen of the bear bees. Oh, nice. Which, which was wonderful. Oh, and we brought, we brought awesome. the bear bees back for this show, too. Awesome. And uh, they always, yeah. they, they're, they're a very charismatic monster. People nice. love the yeah. idea of a creature that eats its own honey. Yeah, that's really, I just, the, the level of, of death there, I, I, I just, I love it. I just love it. That's and it's great. just, it's just. oh, here's a dumb thing at a dollar store. Right. I'm going to make this. That I'm going to make into an epic part of my story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it can be little tiny things. Someone will say something, and it's like, well, that's how the world works now. Right. That's how it right. works in this world. Right. Like, so I discover things about right. the world. Right. Um, and if, then you throw them to the to the adventurers, and it takes on the life of its own. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. They, and they, of course, have a huge say in what goes on right. in the world, too, because right. if they say something, I can't go, no, that's not right. true. Exactly. That, that breaks you have the, to say that ba- breaks the basis basic rule of improv. Right. You can say no but. Right. right. If it's sort of you like can modify it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It'd be like, well, can I can I fly? No, but right. you can find someone who's got a potion that'll help you fly. Right, exactly. Exactly. Well that's awesome. This sounds like a great so where can our listeners go to find your programs? Are they like recorded so people can listen to them later? We put up live? we put up clips okay. online. Awesome. Um, criticalhitshow.com is our website. Okay. It's not as updated as I would like because I do all the social media. Uh, so I do uh, the website. I do the Twitter, which is at Crit Show. I do the Facebook. Uh, I do the Instagram. Uh, <laughs> You're making me exhausted just the, talking about it. If, if, I if do the wanted... Tinder. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the Critical Hit Show Tinder. Sword swipe left. Sword swipe white. Entirely. Yeah. 
So that's what. If you, yeah, I, if I would give you a piece of advice. Find an intern. We have a wonderful intern at Game On Girl who does all our social media for us. Isabella, you're fantastic. Thank you. So. Isabella, I've heard nothing but good things. <laughs> We brought it. We brought an unpaid uh, intern into our show. Oh, Actually, nice. at, at the last show, uh, one of our characters is a wizard, and he owns a tavern. So, we we did a thing. I'm, I'm like, "What if you got an intern?" And that's that's all I gave him. I was like, "What if you got an intern?" And then he 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 brought up audience members. Went like did an interview process, and then eventually went, well, "What's any number between one and ten? Someone said seven. I was like, "I was thinking of nine. You got the job." And what was great was because she'd seen the show. Um, she knew, like, she actually saved a character's life because because the wizard, uh, his name is, uh, his name is, you might have to bleep it out, it's Spitz Lubin. And he just said, here, you do all the work for me. And, and she did, I'm not going to say a better job than he did, but she saved a character's life. Nice, that's awesome. She actually did something that, like, oh, yeah, no, he's going to die. And then she, she did some sh- spell. It's all magic, I don't understand it. Well, I love I love the audience participation. I love the narrative. I love the I love the use of the dollar store. <laughs> yeah, the dollar store is great because the show the show takes place in my parents' basement, so I want to give it this dollar store right. chic. Yeah, exactly. And I also want to make Dress sure that it up a little bit. yeah, <laughs> I want to make sure that the audience is included in the show because that's I, how improv should work, and how gaming should work. Yes, absolutely. Right? Like I I think oh, of yes. I think of the theater, yes. uh, the Rio Theater in Vancouver, as just. This is this is the big gaming room, and everybody's at the table. Yeah, exactly. And when we do our big, every show sort of got a big climax right. moment, where we've done one where we dumped a hundred balloons on the audience, and the, they had oh, to nice. find the balloons of a specific color to give to the heroes. Um, oh, that's so cool! At, what do we do? Oh, the, at the last one, we had a swarm of pixies attack uh, our heroes. So I put a tablecloth on an audience member and taped about ten Barbie dolls to them. <laughs> To give you an idea of the level of yeah, the level the absurdity of this show is it is ridiculous. Uh, And I'm lucky because I get to play all the NPCs. I get to I get to do all their voices. You get to do all kinds of different characters. Yeah, I bought a dragon puppet. I used it in last night's show. Big hit. Yes. His name is Colin. He has uh, low self image. He's not a very good dragon. And there's Dominic Prumpet, who's also a puppet. He's a ghost. He's a wizard ghost. <laughs> and then there's the beloved Mayor Funch, the mayor of the town, whose voice is actually Dr. Zaius. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Dominic is uh, my bad Orson Welles. <laughs> and uh, Colin is just, um, I was tired, so he's just standard bad British accent. Right, nice. Well, that's cool. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Sharing us, sharing with us. Critical Hit Show. Thank you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find some. Is there a coffee shop in Seattle that I can find? You know, I don't know. They're a little behind on the coffee craze here. Yeah, that's know? what I'm worried about. So there's only one like every 10 feet. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Step it up, Seattle. <laughs> hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this very special episode of Game On Girl. Uh, please check out the website and check out the links to all the fantastic people we were able to talk to at Emerald City Comic Con. As well, if you have a chance to attend a con, check out Emerald City. I have to say, it's one of the best spaces for the size of this con and the sensitivity they have to the LGBT community, to parents, to gender queer folks. It's really fantastic, the resources they have here for everybody. And there's tons and tons of fantastic cosplay here. So if you want to check out a con, I can highly recommend Emerald City. So until next time, game on. Game on.